And welcome to the North Pole, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining me as usual, and I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I know who didn't have a good Thanksgiving, and that was Matt Patricia from the Detroit Lions. Now, Matt Patricia, now that you've lost your job, I have a really, really good job for you. I've been saying it all year. You should work at the mall and be Santa Claus because you look like him, and I think you'd, you could make some serious money. Unfortunately, though, as I'm tangled up, I'm just going to wear it like a wig now. Um, <laughs> this is great. But Matt Patricia got fired, as we, as we all know. And his general manager of the Detroit Lions also got fired. It's, uh, it's a cleaning house in Detroit. Long awaited Matt Patricia has amassed maybe double-digit wins if he's... I, I'm not even sure in his three years if he even got to 10 wins. Uh, they haven't won a... They've won one home game in, like, the last year, and that was against the Washington football team. Thank God that Matt Patricia's out because now they can su start playing some actual defense in Detroit. Came in as a defensive guy. No defense was played in Detroit. Bill Belichick must be really disappointed um, with him, but... That's that's how it goes in the NFL. If you're not winning games, you're going to get fired. We all knew it was going to happen. Uh, and now in the comment section, I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, who should be the next Lions head football coach? Um, I mean, I have hardly any suggestions. I've heard Adam Gase's name get thrown around, and I don't know why they would want to go with Adam Gase because he has, he has not performed well in, in the New York Jets uh, world at all. And I get it, Matt Stafford, Adam Gase connection. You're trying to get some of that magical uh, quarterback coach, quarterback uh, combination like they had in Denver with Peyton Manning and Adam Gase. But I don't see that happening. So let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, we got a nice show ahead of us tonight. We got Andy Hopper coming on in just a minute to talk about the Bears uh, and the Packers game from last night. And then in about a half hour, I'm going to be bringing on JB from the Skull of Hard Knocks podcast. That's a Vikings podcast. Uh, I love having him on. I had him on once earlier in the season. He was great. That was the infamous Bloody Lip uh, episode. But uh, before I go ahead, we got some comments. Thanks for watching the show, Sam. Gates shouldn't have a job anywhere. Maybe he could be Patricia's elf at the ball. Oh, my God. That's great. Uh, hi, Sam. But, yeah, I totally agree. Um, that... <laughs> He, I think Adam Case would be a great elf. He actually he looks the part pretty well. It's tough right now for for guys like Matt Patricia to get a job. I mean, COVID. How are you going to get a job at a mall when nobody's going to let your kid go on Santa's lap? And I don't want my kid, even if there was no COVID, I wouldn't want him going on Matt Patricia's lap. He's a loser. So with that said, I'm going to bring on my first guest of the night, Andrew Hopper. From the brew party, how's it going, Andy? Uh, it could be a lot better, Gabe, uh, but I do appreciate you for having me on. I always love coming on your humble program, your program <laughs> here, the North Pole. Uh, yeah. It's always after a loss, though, it feels like. So yeah, maybe, well, you just have to stop asking me to come on, and they, they might be able to, <laughs> to to win a game. But, you know, I, I'm feeling okay. I Like I said, appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm ready to talk Bears, Packers, you know, all the all the bad and no, not really any good to speak of from Sunday. Yeah, I, I I apologize for that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think every time I've had you on the show, it is it has been after a loss. 
Um, it just <laughs> happened to be when I found out about you, it was right when the Bears started losing. So uh, maybe, you know, things will get better soon because now you're playing the Matt Patricialist Lions this upcoming week. But before we get ahead of ourselves and, and start talking about that game, they the the Bears dropped last night's game versus Green Bay, forty-one to twenty-five. Mitchell Trubisky got the start. Um, just after watching that game, what was going through your mind? It was it was, had to be the Bears' worst performance of the season. How I saw it, uh, definitely the Bears' worst performance of the season. Um, just fuck, you know. I, I know I'm not supposed to swear, but like that's that that was my first reaction. I apologize. That'll be the only time I swear tonight. But uh, it's all right. Get it, it out it, now, Andy. It's it was, okay. <laughs> it was just the worst, like like you said, the worst performance of the year. The defense's worst performance, and I would say three years. I would say since Matt Nagy's been the head coach, this has been the worst defensive performance we've ever seen from the Bears defense. Uh, just they acted like they didn't want to be there at all. They had no interest in playing this game last night. Uh, you talk about missing Akeem Hicks in the middle. This is a completely different defense with no Akeem Hicks. You can attest to that. We talked about it uh, on our post-game show a couple weekends ago. Uh, you, As a Vikings fan, you saw what Cook was able to do in the second half when Hicks had to leave that game. Uh, so, yeah, just nothing good. You know, you talk about three turnovers from Trubisky. I actually didn't hate uh, what I saw from him besides those stupid mistakes. You know, I, I attribute some of it to play calling. You know, you talk about the first drive where Montgomery breaks off that 57-yard run, and we're like, okay, because, you know, that's the one thing the Packers have had trouble with this year is their run defense. They have a pretty decent secondary. I believe the number one rated uh, cornerback in, by PFF and uh, Kevin King so it's just like, what? what is our game plan here? I know you're playing from behind for most of the game, so Trubisky ends up throwing 42 passes, but you know the dink and dunk was moving. Having him make quick, short passes was, was working. They were moving down the field on that first and that second drive, and then you, to have him just wind up and throw a deep ball that you know is absolutely not going to be close just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the defense, you know, four red zone trips for the Packers. They score on all. They, they score all four times, and this is the number one red zone defense in the NFL. Just didn't look like they wanted to be there at all. When you have guys like Buster Screen and Danny Trevathan uh, trying to keep up with Devontae Adams, it's it's not going to be a good day. Like I, I, I'm pretty done with Chuck Pagano at the at the defensive coordinator role. His scheme is just it's just not working. It, you miss Vic Fangio so much. But you can't blame Fangio for taking a a head coaching job, something that he's been coaching for. He's been a head, he's been a coach for forty years. Finally, gets a shot as a head coach. You can't, or he's been a de, like a defensive coach assistant for forty years. Finally, gets a shot as a head coach. You can't blame him for not taking that. But we really miss him in Chicago. Obviously, you don't have that same group. Guys like Bryce Callahan goes over to Denver with Fangio. But just as far as Sunday night, man, just a joke. Just a joke. No personal pride. Uh, and that, that goes down to Neji. He said in the postgame press conference, he called out uh, the players in the locker room, said it was embarrassing and stuff like that. It's like, dude, you're embarrassing. You are the problem. You are absolutely the problem. You refuse to change any of your philosophies on offense and have to make your scapegoat your quarterback because you're not a man enough to realize that your offensive scheme sucks. You don't have an offensive line, and I'll also get to you, Ryan Pace. This is your fault as well. I hope both of you are gone within the next week. You should have been gone Monday morning. You should have had a Bob Quinn, and you should have had Matt Patricia-like uh, morning and gotten your 
butts out of town. Ryan Pace has refused to build up the depth of this team. You see it with the offensive line. We got guys that wouldn't even be starting in college on this offensive line. They can't block a damn thing. And that being said, the running game was still working on Sunday night. Yeah. Montgomery goes for 107 yards on 11 touches. What are we doing? Find an identity on offense. Find something that works. Run the ball. Montgomery has been one of the only pieces of this pieces of this offense this whole year that has proved he is worth a crap. It's just, you know, hey, at least they threw the ball to Allen Robinson in the red zone. You know, he gets two touchdowns. Could have been three. He loses another 50-50 ball this year. I am wearing my Robinson jersey. Got to savor that for as long as possible because there's just no way he wants to be here after this year. No, and I was going to bring up that that little uh, drama between Allen Robinson and the Twitter sphere. Uh, I think he was caught liking posts uh, from fans of different teams saying, come to our team, come to this team. And Allen Robinson got caught liking it. He's since unliked those posts. But to your point, what receiver wants to play on a team that can't throw the ball efficiently, can't move the ball efficiently? And he's been doing this his whole career. He went from Blake Bortles to Trubisky to Foles and now back to Trubisky. And you, you mentioned before the, the deep passing game wasn't effective in this game. And we, we look at the Packers and Kevin King's return. He had that big pass breakup in the end zone, which I thought was kind of, you don't want to use the word or the phrase turning point of the game because it was in the first quarter. But when you're playing against the Chicago Bears, sometimes if you go up two touchdowns, the game's over anyways. So I think that was a big turning point when Allen Robinson, I think it was Allen Robinson who had that catch broken up by Kevin King in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mitch Trubisky in, did not complete a pass over 20 air yards in this game. And that was just the third time this season that Chicago has not completed a, a pass over 20 air yards. One of those games was Mitch Trubisky starting. Um, so I think we look at the offense with Trubisky throwing the ball is their offense's M.O. Trubisky does not really give them a better chance to win the game unless they change their offensive scheme. Wouldn't you agree with that? Trubisky probably doesn't give them much of an advantage in the passing game. No, neither of them do. I don't want to see Foles back out there. At least Trubisky can move his feet and make something happen. You know, Foles would have taken five or six sacks. You know, Trubisky, you know, he takes three for 13 yards on Sunday. Not great, but you also saw him get a first down uh, on the run after a broken play. Like, I just keep him in the rest of the year. I don't care. I'm, I'm done with Nick Foles. He has proved nothing. Uh, his veteran presence has done nothing for this team. They've lost now five in a row. Um, keep them out. Fire everyone. You just got to rebuild. I mean, also, you do have to point. I know Trubisky, I'm not trying to act like he was great because he wasn't. You know, 22 for 42. I actually have it right here. 22 for 42. No, ugh, 26 for 46 with 242 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. The three touchdowns are great. You know, you throw two interceptions on just really bad passes that were just nowhere near his receiver. Darnell Savage gets both of those. Uh, I would love Jameis Winston, Sam. We've talked, <laughs> Sam, you and I talked about it on your podcast and my podcast. Go check that out. Um, but yeah, bring Jameis to Chicago. I'm all for that. Uh, anything is better than this. Jameis Winston is appointment television. I have said that before. But also with those turnovers, I, I mentioned it to you, Gabe. So he has the two interceptions, the one fumble loss, but he also, he fumbled a total of three times. 
Luckily, two of them were recovered by the Bears, but it's just that's not sustainable. It's it's nothing is going. You're not nothing is going to get done on offense. You're not going to win games like that. Then you look. The Packers are able to score 21 points off the Bears' turnovers. That's the game right there. Like what? I know the defense wasn't stopping stopping them anyway, but you, 21 points off turnovers. That's just that's literally handing them the game and going here. Not that I thought the Bears were winning this game from the start and I was super optimistic because I wasn't, you know, the Packers are the best team in this division, whether or not there are questions on their, on the defensive side of the ball. When you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and a legit deep threat, like Devontae Adams, plus a guy in the backfield, like Aaron Jones, you're set up for success pretty well. Do I think they're going to be in the Super Bowl representing the NFC? No, I don't. Um, But are they going to win this division very easily? Uh, As far as the bears go, I do want to point out, if this was not a Bears Packers game, I think it's getting officiated a little differently. Uh, you, I, the fumble, the the strip sack, Darius Smith, literally dragged him down by the Trubisky down by his face mask. It was evident. The broadcast brought it up by replay. There was two or three hands in his face mask being dragged down. Nothing called touchdown Packers, of course. But that I'm a less I'm, I'm more okay with than the play before where Kevin King gets to throw a punch at our receiver when the play's dead and just nothing happens. That's an automatic ejection in any other game, throwing a punch. God forbid it was somebody on the bears that did either of those things, but <laughs> that's not the reason they lost the game, but that's just classic. Oh, that's classic green Bay right there. And I'm, I sound like a shitty, a shitty Packers or a shitty uh, bears fan here. But it, it that's just facts. Like, go back and watch the replays. King clearly caught throwing a punch, and you can clearly see the face mask. Again, not the reason they lost, just abysmal performance uh, from this defense. You know, Khalil Mack only has three tackles. Like, you're not going to win. Like, when your two leading tacklers are Buster Screen with 13 and Danny Trevathan with 10, like, good for those guys for, for getting the double-digit tackle number. But that's because you have them trying to keep up with Devontae Adams. And it just it doesn't make sense what they're trying to do on either side of the ball uh, in this game. Yeah, Andy, I think we need to get you a therapy session. Anybody uh, want to yeah, comment yeah. a good therapist? Uh, I think Andy could really use one right now. <laughs> this is, I, I, I really feel bad, I do, because I was, I was here, you know, I was here a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe, maybe a month ago with the Vikings, and I was, I was going through some growing pains with them and their secondary, and then they since started winning some games, and now I feel like you did after week six, but, um, oh, Tom, Tom, Tom knows a good therapist. Joe judge. Joe judge. Yes. Joe judge would be a good therapist. He would, <laughs> he would whip you into shape. Um, so, oh yeah. And how about Tony Dungy on the broadcast? That was, that was a name I, I haven't seen on a broadcast ever, but he, he wasn't bad. He was so, all right. Yeah. They're <laughs> replacing, uh, Chris and Al for, uh, cause they're, they have the Wednesday night game now, but yeah, I didn't mind the broadcast. I like Tariko. Um, yeah, me too. I like Tariko. Yeah, uh, but also a que- he has a question here. My thoughts on Alex Bars and Sam Mustafer, both were teammates at Notre Dame. I like Mustafer. I don't think Bars is a NFL lineman. Uh, Thomas maybe is a backup. That's the role he's been used as uh, so far this season, and kind of just plugged in where they need him. I like his versatility there, being able to play at the guard and the tackle. But I just think his talent level. Isn't that great? And I, I don't, I like, I think Mustafer has, has been all right having to come in at center, uh, you know, replacing white hair, but we'll see where they go uh, the rest of the year or next season, I should say, at the offensive line position. Um, and then there's another one. 
from Hank. There's a hypothetical question for you. If I had to get, if you had to get rid of only one between Neji and Pace, who would it be? Uh, Pace. I think Pace. I know that sucks for because I don't, I don't like Neji either. But I, I think this is more on Pace as far as building the roster up and setting the roster up for success. Uh, just lack of depth at certain positions are just really, really evident on this team, and you know, the the Trubisky miss is is almost inexcusable <laughs> at this point. So we'll see. I, I think, you know, who'd make a good starting guard for the Bears right now, or at least give him a chance on the practice squad, Matt Patricia. I, if you gave me Matt Patricia on the offensive line, I'm sure he could give you a nice pull and hit a linebacker pretty show hard. His, show me his pass sets. It, it probably can't be much worse than yeah. what we have going right now. Well, it's, it's like, like what, with the uh, Broncos, they wanted to put in one of their say. coaches to play quarterback this this weekend. And I don't honestly, I have no issue with a team wanting to put a coach in at quarterback. If they really, if the NFL thinks that's like in some way unfair, uh, I'm pretty sure if that guy was good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, he would not have became a coach. Players make way more money than coaches. I mean, Tony Romo could probably suit up and play quarterback right now, but he's, he's, he's making good money at CBS. I, I love Tony Romo, what he's doing. Uh, but Moving, I want to go back to the game because I, I know you want, I know, I, I want to keep it lighthearted, but there's some serious, I'm, serious I'm, issues I'm here. Yeah, I, I got, I got no, pretty upset good. there. But here's something that I noticed in the game or something I read was that Mitch Trubisky, he dropped back 50 times in this game, which is, and that's a normal game for the Bears, dropping back 50 times to throw the ball. Um, but he was blitzed on just eight of those dropbacks. All three of his passing touchdowns came off the blitz. So that was that was an interesting stat there. And then we look, well, then if all of his touchdowns came against the blitz, then he must have been really bad when the other team didn't blitz, right? Well, yeah, you're right. Because when he wasn't pressured in this game, uh, Trubisky went 19 for 35. 177 yards, two TDs, and two INTs. So actually, on some of those blitzes, there was no pressure technically. But when there's no pressure, Trubisky was barely over 50% passing. When you watch a team like the Vikings and you see Kirk Cousins with no pressure, oh, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Or Tom Brady with no pressure. Um, And then we have a comment from JB backstage. Thanks for commenting, JB. Uh, you'll be, he'll, JB's coming on in just a few minutes to talk about that Vikings game. But Trubisky isn't bad. He just has bad coaches, including an offensive coordinator from Scranton, Pennsylvania, Dunder Mifflin. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I think he was just never set up for success. I, I just don't think he was ever set up for success. And you saw that immediately when his head coach is using him as a scapegoat when things, don't, when things aren't going right. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, the scheme is, is just weird. They don't have the athletes to, to run the offense he wants to run. He just doesn't seem to understand that, but yeah, I, I've always rooted for Mitch. I wore my Mitch Jersey last night. I had my Sundays are for kiss and titties shirt on. I was all in on Mitch last night. It just, it just turned off. It just turned South very quickly. And that's evident by my Twitter at the start of the game. I tweeted the picture of, of my Jersey and my shirt said I couldn't be more on Mitch. And by the end, I tweeted, sell the team, fire everyone. This is a joke. I was just, it was, it was a very rough Sunday night. And not that I should have expected anything different. Um, 
I expected it to be closer personally. I'll be honest. Cause I, I, I thought they would cover the spread at, at the very least. I didn't, eight I didn't and a half. I didn't expect it to be a blowout like that. And I expected the defense to show up more than they did. I think that's the more disappointing part for me is, is the defensive performance on Sunday night, just really acting like they quit and, and they were checked out because what, what are you supposed to expect from this Mitch, Mitch Trubisky led offense, you know? Yeah, I, I was about to ask you that. Do you think they just have given up in a way where they? it's been week after week they've put in great performances, scoring touchdowns, keeping them in games, stopping teams in the red zone, just keeping games uh, winnable for them. And the offense has done them no favors. And at what point does the defense just give up? Uh, and I think we're hitting that tipping point. But I wanted to ask you another question was um, – do you think uh, out of the your entire life watching the Bears, do you think this season has been the roughest to watch? I'm sure they've had worse record seasons, but do you think yeah. this is the worst? Oh, I mean, this stretch of five games for sure. This offense is is really bad. It's a, it's actually funny. So my my buddy Ryan Maloney, who I do uh, my my gambling picks with. Uh, every, every week act actually this week I was one and seven. So I have no idea what I was talking about the entire NFL, uh, this weekend, but his girlfriend, Molly is a Vikings fan. He's a, he's a bears fan. Uh, so she put on her Snapchat on Sunday night goes, I think Ryan needs a new team to watch. This is just really frustrating. And she's like, not a sports person at all. Doesn't watch football. Just, you know, just watching for fun. And you you know, it's bad when somebody that doesn't really know what's going on is talking about how frustrating it is. So in my recent memory, I mean, man, those Trestman teams were really bad, man. Really like you got to remember a few years ago when they were winning three games or five games and, you know, the year before they got Trubisky and then that, Trubisky's first year you started the year with Mike Glennon and you lose a game to the Buccaneers but this this season in recent memory yeah it's been it's been bad this is just like oh my god what is going on you're going from a team that went 12 and 4 in 2018 that was a legit Super Bowl contender you we, everyone knows how that playoff run ended but just the fall from from I don't want to say glory because they didn't win the Super Bowl but the fall from grace let's call it has been pretty, pretty upsetting, pretty rough to watch. Yeah, and what I what I don't understand is why this team has tried to build some, like what you you've mentioned on the show before. Matt Nagy's a Kansas City Chiefs guy. He's a he's an air raid offense disciple, and he wants to put the ball in the air. You guys play in Chicago on Soldier Field, where that is if that's not a place where you just run the ball the whole game and try to impose your will on the opponent. I don't know what other stadium you do it in. And it just seems like this is not the kind of place where you try to design these pass heavy offenses because we're getting into winter. And I know you live in the state of Illinois and I'm sure it is freezing there these days. Gabe, it's, it's pretty cold. I will say I uh, stepped outside to let my dog out today and I almost freezed, freeze my balls off. So yeah, (laughs) it, it is getting there. It's not fun. And then you, they call it bear weather for a reason, man. You, you, everybody's seen, you see the videos, you see the games in Chicago when it gets this late November. Well, now it's in December. Uh, that's weird to say. This year is already almost over, as crazy as 2020 has been. But yeah, that's what I'll attribute this to. Is just it's 2020. That's the reason the Bears are going on this five game skid and got all of our hopes up. And you know what? They were five and one, and I, I didn't think they were the best team in the world. But 
you definitely feel really good about a five and one football team that's in first place in their division at the time. And I don't know. I mean, I think I talked about it either with you or Thomas before the year that I said I would be ecstatic with going nine and seven or like 10 and six and still have the opportunity to do that. You know, you have Detroit next week and we get to play you guys again. I believe we also play Houston and Jacksonville, but then we end the year in green Bay. So, but there's just no confidence. Like how do you, how do you build? Like, how do you keep going at this point when your team just seems uninterested and that they just, they just don't have the fire for uh, to play for this head coach. Do we need to bring some watermelons in here and get a sledgehammer like good old Mike McCarthy or, or, or what's going on? I mean, you know, Neji in the locker room after the game is yelling at the guys, wake up, where's your pride? Do you have any personal pride? But it's just like, where, I mean, where's yours, man? Like, wh- why are you waiting until after the game? To, to say this to your players, where, where's the energy on the sideline? Where's the, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. So- and to butt in, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this isn't an effort issue. I don't see the bears not trying on the field. What I see is what I see on the field is a reflection of the days that aren't Sunday. I see a reflection of what are they doing in practice that isn't working because they come to the games just not prepared. I don't think effort is the reason why they're losing. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, I, it has to do with coaching. Absolutely. It has to do with the scheme. I don't think Chuck Pagano's defense is really working. Well, that's not something I should say. It didn't work on Sunday, but I think gradually as the season has gone on, they have kind of seen that some of the defensive guys slipping some more plays that they've given up. They weren't at the beginning of the year. And do you attribute that to just lack of juice they're getting from the offense? Like, how is it get hard for these guys to want to go out there and make a play when they know like, Hey, we're probably just going to go three and out anyway and, and have to come right back out here. I mean, look at the time of possession from the game on Sunday. It felt like the Packers literally had the ball, like the entire first half. And I think at when the score was 13 to three, that was also uh, the amount of first downs that each team had. The Packers had 13 first downs and the bears had three. So it was just a rough game. And I, I don't know. It's just not sustainable, but I do. I do think that's a good point. There has to be something going on in practice. Obviously, the coaches are going to come out. Oh, we had a great week of practice. This was Mitch's best week of practice I've seen in 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 a while. Oh, yeah, because he hasn't played since week three. He's excited he gets to play. He is actually getting first team reps. That's probably why it was the best practice you've seen in a while. But it's just like, what do you want him to say? Oh no, we look like shit all week because you know they probably did, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. Andy, I could agree more. I mean, is there uh, is there anything you want to see from them now? Come with the off season. Uh, uh, besides the coaching, we we've established that the coaching needs to go. But like, just from a personnel point of view, uh, in like just a brief kind of few sentences, what positions do you think they need to to improve on through I the got draft? A, I got a, I got a draft plan for you. If you, oh, okay, you hear me. So first round, let's take a quarterback. Second round, I want a guard. Third round, I want a tackle or vice versa. Fourth, we're going to go, we need a receiver or somebody that can catch the ball. I guess you could flip-flop that with the offensive line, but I just think you go get a quarterback, go get two guys at least in the draft to protect him that you know you can build on for the next 10 years. 
that's what I'd hit on the draft. Next, I'd probably go get another cornerback, maybe sure up the linebacker position as well. We need an interior lineman, but then in free agency, throw all of your money at the top offensive lineman, somebody that can anchor this crew and help these two young guys you just drafted. Obviously, if they draft them or not, this is just me as a, as a Bears fan, what I would like to see. And then extend Allen Robinson, not that he's going to want to come here, and go after a, a big-time playmaker in uh, free agency. And if you, don't, if you don't draft a quarterback, go after the best available in free agency, I guess. But why not at this loaded draft class? They're looking at least five guys that could be first-round draft picks as quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think Lawrence will fall to him. He's, def- he's probably 1-1, but you can get away with a guy like Zach Wilson out of BYU. I love Kyle Trask from Florida or Mac Jones from Alabama. Uh, you know, Jones is only a three-star recruit, but what he's been able to do at Alabama this year has been pretty impressive. You do point to all the weapons he has there. Will not have weapons like that in Chicago, but yeah, that that's my plan. You take a quarterback, take at least two O-linemen in the draft, try and start building there. Yeah, I love the, the plan there. You have a whole idea for them that you should put oh, in I- your application for GM there. <laughs> I, I mean, if if the McCaskies would hear me, they've, they've, made, they've made worse decisions before, so that's... That. <laughs> That is not something I'd be so in over my head. I wouldn't know what I was doing. You know, I'm pretty, pretty great on Madden, Gabe, but yeah. not, not the same as real life, but I appreciate yeah. you having me on. I apologize. Yeah, no, you're good there, you're but good. you know, Lions next week. I'm, I'm honestly afraid. I, I know. I, I don't know if Galladay is playing or not, but I, who are the two teams that have fired their coaches? The, the Texans, and what there's and the and the Falcons both won their first games with their interim head coach. This is the going to be the Lions' first game with their interim head coach. I'm a little nervous here. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point. I think the Bears. I I think the Bears will take it, but I'll have you on if the Bears lose. Uh, I'll, if the Bears win, I'll have you on just so you can experience the first like a winning uh, yeah guest appearance. Complain about <laughs> yeah. Oh no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Beating the Lions is not a end all be all. But uh, Andy, thanks for uh, coming on the show and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. Check out the Brew Party. A brand new episode with former University of Illinois running back Reggie Corbin just dropped yesterday. Available now on all platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, also on YouTube if you like video versions. Gabe, love the show. I'll be tuning in for the rest of them. Uh, JB, I did see your comment. Uh, you will take the the snow or you'll take the cold over the snow. Either way, it's cold and it's not fun. We don't we don't like it. Uh, but go Bears, bear down. Uh, actually, before I go, that comment I sent you yesterday. So this is this is my plan for the for the offseason, Gabe. New Bears president Rex Ryan, GM Lovey Smith, and head coach Jim Harbaugh, just like that lady in, the, in that Chicago Bears group wanted. Uh, that that's exactly what this team needs. But I'm done. I'm done rambling, Gabe. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great rest of the show, yeah. man. Oh, thanks, Eddie. That, we'll see. Maybe I wouldn't put a ga- I wouldn't bet on that. <laughs> I wouldn't either. But it would just what a power trio. Yeah, yeah, very rich trio. But Andy, peace out. And now we'll be bringing on. Uh, my next guest, JB from the School of Hard Knocks. JB, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Gabe? How are you? Good, good. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Now we can talk some Vikings football. Second place is my name today. <laughs> it's it's amazing. What a sight that game! I had the Panthers winning it in ter- like when I was doing my like picks, like for the for the group picks I was doing. I had them covering the spread. I thought they would win, but. 
the Vikings came out and they they came back. Uh, what were your initial thoughts after that game, JB? Honestly, I am not the unicorn and rainbows kind of fan. I thought we were lucky to escape with a win in this game. It should never have come down to a 54-yard wide left, which my fiance called, by the way. I was wide losing, left? I was losing my mind oh. in here, and she was getting uh, dinner ready, and she said, what's going on? And I told them that they were setting up for a field goal. She said, wide left, wide left. <laughs> and uh, he missed it wide left. Uh, bad, no, too. I, like, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it should not have come down to that, though. The Vikings, I mean, second place. I don't even know how this – well, we're in second place because it's a bad division aside from the Packers. That's how the Vikings are in second place. It's a bad division aside from the Packers. This is a team at five and six that honestly, that's probably about the best we should expect of them right now. I, yeah. I, I didn't like the game at all. I that's one, Yeah. I, well, they didn't get good ratings. This game, I, I mean, I go on PFF to see the ratings. They were getting really bad ratings. It was one of their lowest-ranked performances as a team. Um, and they they got gashed. Even at the end of the game, Joey Sly sinks that field goal. We're, this is a completely different conversation. We're saying this is the worst Vikings game we've seen. Um, but we But the Vikings won, and we have to give them a little bit of credit, at least who we should give credit in this game to is Kirk Cousins. And we've talked about Kirk Cousins before and how we, we're tired of him sometimes, but this was one of those games where I'm like, I kind of like this guy. You know what I mean? He made the throws when they needed to make them. What were your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? And did this game kind of change your perspective on, on him and his future as a Minnesota Viking? I, I don't let one game sway me either way. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been a good quarterback for, let's say, 58 minutes of game time usually. And that last two minutes, he just has not normally come through. He did it against the Saints in the playoffs, which was fantastic. And and I was kind of happy to see them. Well, they didn't really hold the Panthers to that field goal. Teddy Bridgewater held them to that field goal that made it six points. But I was glad to see, all right, Kirk, you're down by a touchdown. You've got a minute and 52 seconds and no timeouts. Go out there and do it. And he did. I mean, he looked great on that drive. He got them right down the field in no time. Um, he didn't have Adam Thielen for the entire game. And he he had a really solid game. He, he spread the ball around. seven or Four different guys had seven catches for the Vikes in this game. That's awesome. And as I'm wearing an Adam Thielen jersey, what jersey do you have on, JB? It's my custom one. It's, my, oh, it's, the, it's my always number. the custom one. It's always the custom one. I, I was trying to see, is that Justin Jefferson? I'm like, ooh, no. I want that. I'll trade you an Adam Thielen jersey for Justin Jefferson. <laughs> um, but Justin Jefferson, I mean, this was his, an interesting game for him. This was He was targeted 12 times, which up until this game, I believe that was the most targets he's ever received, um, which is great to see. I love that they're getting him more involved. He got his touchdowns. He's been underserved in the red zone, but they're fine. Obviously with Othea and they gave him some more looks in the red zone, but an interesting stat here is between 10 and 20 air yards passing Kirk cousins was 12 for 14 for 180 yards and two touchdowns in this game. So he was lethally accurate and guys were really open and B.C. Johnson, seven catches on seven targets for 74 yards. Chad Beebe, seven catches on seven targets for 63 yards and the game-winning touchdown. 
how are these guys getting so open? Is Carolina's defense this bad at secondary? I don't think they are. They had a good game. The, well, they played the Lions, but they had a good right. <laughs> yeah. performance of the prior week. I mean, maybe it's just the fact that they didn't know who to key on in this game. They, you know, because Kirk had actually only had more options because Thielen was out. He had to, I don't want to say improvise, but he kind of had to improvise his own game plan. He, he had to get other guys involved in the game, and he did. Um, like you just mentioned, three of those seven guys, or three of the guys with the seven catches, 21 out of 22 targets. The only guy who really didn't have a great game in terms of catches to targets was Jefferson. Right, right. He was seven catches on 12 targets. And that's usually because Kirk Cousins has so much trust in Jefferson to catch the ball. So he forces it to Jefferson a ton. And Jefferson's been great making those uh, catches in traffic all year. Yeah, the kid's got good hands usually. Uh, Last couple games a little bit off, but he's a rookie and we're going to let him let him uh, kind of get his feet wet. He, he, again, two touchdowns. You can't can't fault that. Um, props to Teddy Bridgewater, who can't hit a wide open receiver in the back of the end zone. Uh, take <laughs> off the glove on your right hand, Teddy. Learn to throw <laughs> oh, the glove on your right No hand. Teddy Bridgewater slander will be allowed on this show. <laughs> oh, we, we have to give him a little bit. I mean, he actually yeah. got his wide receiver hurt on that throw. Yeah, no, he he didn't have a good game at all. I mean, this was this was one of his worst act and. Teddy Bridgewater is a, the king of accuracy. The guy's been lethally accurate, over 70% in a majority of the games in his career. This game, 19 for 36 passing. Uh, he was off in this one, but that's not what I expected. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would be the hero of this game and that he would make the Vikings secondary look silly, but I thought this secondary actually kind of looked pretty good. Cam Dantzler, not too bad. And that other guy, uh, is it Mike Fields or something? I'm not sure the new guy, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he looked pretty good too out there. Um, what were your thoughts on their secondary in this one? They were better, but they were playing against uh, a mid-level quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. He's not a guy who's going to beat you deep normally, although he had a 35-yard completion that gave me heart failure in the final 20 seconds. Yeah. Because uh, that was, a, that was a, and that's Dantzler's guy, right? He's, he let it, he let his guy get back there. You can't let that happen. And that's what these rookies are doing. And um, I think it's time for Harrison Smith to stop babysitting and start playing football. Uh, he's yeah. been babysitting the corners all year, and it's hurt his game. It let them figure it out on their own. You can't cover for them anymore. It's it's really costing him what we know he can do. Uh, you know, it's big boy football now, guys. Learn how to cover a wideout. Yeah, I totally agree. Harrison Smith's production has gone way down. Anthony Harris's production has gone right to the ground this year. And Anthony Harris, I love the guy because he makes every tackle for this defense. He's our our safety blanket back there. When a run goes uh, over 10 yards, Anthony Harris will be the first guy to make that play. But uh, an interesting stat in this game was that, or an interesting note is that PFF graded the two top coverage defensive players for Minnesota, Eric Wilson and Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks getting on the board with another red zone interception. I think that's his third red zone interception in the last three weeks. He's He's been incredible uh, in the red zone uh, defending the pass. He's been the, one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL for a while. Eric Wilson, really not great in run stopping, 
but he he's very good in coverage too. So it's nice to have that element to it as well. One other thing I wanted to uh, tell you about was the uh, the what did you think of that play call, JP? When we did a jailbreak blitz on, I think it was fourth down or third down at midfield, and we had a fady. If it was, if it was Jonathan Vilma pronouncing it, it was a fady Adenanobu. Yeah, if that you was, watch Vilma really botched that name. <laughs> it was so bad. That was almost as bad as the the coverage on the play. I mean, it was just awful. yeah. Yeah, what was that play? I just see uh, Odenibo trying to chase Robbie Anderson on a drag route. <laughs> what was that? I I don't understand the play call. Uh, I really didn't get it, and we got burned. Yeah, we do that a lot, though. We we do that jailbreak blitz a lot, and it sometimes works really well. I'd say majority it works really well, but that's like something I would call on Madden, like uh, engage eight blitz on Madden and just hope they're running a play action pass. So by the time they can look to pass the ball, he's already sacked. Didn't happen there. Bridgewater's got the fastest release too. Uh, but going back to the um, going back to the offense, JB, an interesting stat in this one. This was Minnesota's second game all season that they did not complete a pass over twenty air yards. So going to what you said before. Um, this ability to get these short passes and consistently drive the ball down the field and not go three and out. Because what was that? The theme of the offense earlier in the season was that we were bombing the ball too much and it was resulting in drives getting killed because we would go to third and long. So do you think this is when Thielen comes back that this needs to be more of a theme is those shorter passes? I've always been an advocate of getting the ball to your playmakers. It's nice to go deep once in a while, but again, the best way to protect this young defense that's had a lot of problems is to keep them off the field. So, I mean, it's nice if you complete the 40-yard touchdown pass, but I'm happy to take six, seven-yard passes to get the same job done and take more time off the clock and keep those kids on the sidelines until they learn how to play defense. Uh I have no problems with Kirk getting rid of the ball. You know, the offensive line has done a good job. They didn't, the run blocking was not great on Sunday. And uh, that's a concern to me because it started to let down the last couple of games Uh, against the bears. I think they finally just wore down the bears because Dalvin did nothing for three quarters and he had 57 yards in the fourth. So that's another thing I'm watching Dalvin, tends to wind down and wear down at the end of the season. I mentioned it before last year, last four games, 147 yards on 44 carries in his last four games. Not good. Not good. And and we've seen that. And, uh, you know, another thing I've noticed with Dalvin, and maybe somebody else can say yes or no, isn't it funny how every time he fumbles, he seems to be really hurt and he has to get helped off the field. But then all of a sudden, a little bit later, he's ready to go. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a coincidence, but the last couple times that kid has fumbled the ball, you know, I thought they were going to have to call him and get a body bag to get him off the field. And then he's just back playing later. I, I, I don't get it. So that's another issue with Dalvin. He fumbles too much. He's got to learn to protect the ball. He's got a lot of talent, but uh, he's got to show up for 16 games and he's got to protect the ball better. Yeah, that was that was a funny point. I I noticed that too. Where everybody, 
it's like it compounds the whole situation. Jeremy Chin just returns a fumble for a touchdown of the second consecutive play. And Dalvin Cook looks like he needs to get stretchered off. And you're just like, this couldn't be any worse. And then somehow, it's like every time, it's like a, you can't script this stuff. He comes back out onto the field and the Vikings come back and win the game. But this time, it wasn't Dalvin Cook who helped them come back in this game. Um, and you, I totally... Uh, agree with that Dalvin Cook has winded down a lot in the in recent years with at the end of seasons and this kind of uh sustaining this energy is is a difficult thing to do when I was talking to a Marie Castillo um a few weeks ago and I said we were talking about Dalvin Cook I think it was after one of his amazing games and I think it was after the Packers game where he just had 30 carries which was a career high and he lit it up and then I, I brought up, well, this could be problematic. If we're going to find a problem in this situation, which at the time there really wasn't any problem, if we're giving him the ball 30 times a game, isn't this what gets him hurt and gets him uh, injured in the first place? And she said, well, we need to do it to win. And I totally agree. That's what we need to do to win. But this also comes out of consequence as well uh, with, with injuries, and we can't afford to have that happen. Fumbles. Adrian Peterson had a fumble problem, and that cost us big time in the NFC Championship in 2009. Um, Dalvin Cook definitely has got to shore up those fumbles. Um, Other notes on this game, the offensive line gave Kirk Cousins one of the cleanest pockets all game, and the Panthers blitzed on 22 of Cousins' 45 pass attempts. Um, So I think that's, that's interesting stat there uh do you think this offensive line without Ezra Cleveland um what do you what do you make of this offensive line now that we have I think it's Brett Jones in there at right guard he got good ratings do you think Brett Jones should be there uh you know permanently now at that position I'd like I mean I want to see what happens when Cleveland comes back I think he's the better offensive lineman Uh, again I'm not going to take such a small sample size with Jones he's done a nice job filling in but uh, I want Ezra. I want to get those young guys, the, the the reps, because this is an offensive line that right now it's starting to come together, and it's a young offensive line. O'Neal, you know, um, Bradbury is is out there at center, and he's coming along. Has, still makes a couple mistakes, but he's coming along. And now you got Ezra Cleveland. That's three really young guys on your line. You get um, you get some veteran experience out there to help them along. I think this offensive line has great potential to it. Yeah. Uh, I think Ezra Cleveland with next season, I don't know what we're going to do with Riley Reef. His contract, I think they restructured it, but Riley Reef has kind of had one of those seasons where you're like, uh, he hasn't done enough to for us to get mad at him. He's held it down a good enough amount. Most of the pressure this year has come from the interior through Bradbury and Dozier and Samia's gap, whoever that right guard is on a weekly basis. But that's the worst because Cousins is not a mobile guy. And when that pressure is coming from the interior, there's nothing he can really do with that. No, and and you know Kirk gets the yips back there if you get too much pressure on him too. He starts to see things that aren't happening. He's uh, missing wide open receivers, so you don't want him to start getting the yips. However, on Sunday, he took off two really big runs in that game. 
where Kirk got first downs on third and longs by himself. And he doesn't slide. What I, he's never slid while he's been on Minnesota. He always does his head first slide. I always noticed that. It, it, it's kind of funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's funny as long as nobody's taking him out. Because, you know, if he goes down, as much as people don't like him for a lot of things, there's nothing behind him. Sean Mannion is is not good. It's that, so Kirk may not be the answer long-term, but for right now, he's the best quarterback on the roster, and you do not want him getting hurt. No, and to add on that, you said he gets the yips. That's funny. Uh, he would he uh when he wasn't facing a blitz in this game, he faced a lot of blitzes, like I mentioned before. But when he wasn't being blitzed, uh, Kirk Cousins was twenty three for thir- uh, twenty three for twenty six, two hundred and three yards and one touchdown. That's incredible. That's an 89% completion percentage when there was no blitz. So you give this man time in the pocket and he will do good things. He is a good quarterback fundamentally. Um, And another thing I want to note, no interceptions in this game. Is it me or do the Vikings always win when there's no interceptions, but they always lose when Cousins throws an interception? That's a weird thing I I want to, I should do more research into. No, it seems like it. It seems like it just takes one turnover and and, uh, they they can't overcome it. But, you know, here we are on Sunday where they, on four plays, they fumbled twice and gave up 14 points. And they fought and they scrapped and they got back in the game and they won it. You know, DJ Wanham blocks a field goal. And at the time, you're not thinking much of it, but that was a big shift in momentum. Wanham blocking that field goal. And then after BB muffs the punt, we need a punt returner, by the way. I wish Marcus Sherrills was still back there. But uh, BB muffs the punt, and now you're thinking it's over. And again, as I said before, Teddy Bridgewater misses a wide open DJ Moore in the back of the end zone. Wide open. He could have just he could have punted that ball to him and it, it would have been a touchdown. So we got a big break there. Uh it's a flawed team still, and it will be flawed. I still don't see them being better than eight and eight at the end of the season, looking at the schedule. Uh I I don't think they can beat Tampa Bay, and I don't think they can I shouldn't say they can't beat the Saints because I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be for that Christmas Day game. But if Breeze is out there, I don't think they beat them either. They can beat the Jaguars. They should be able to beat the Bears and the Lions again. So you go 3-2 and two and now you're 8-8 eight and eight on this season. And that's about what I expect from them. They might steal a game somewhere. But then again, this is the kind of team who might blow a game that they should win too. Yeah, we can't count nothing about this season we can guarantee for Minnesota. Uh, and we learned that very, very quickly this year, probably after week one. But there are some there are bright spots on this team. Um, I think moving forward, we have the Jaguars. That's huge. We could go to six and six. And you said we, we are a super flawed team. But I look at this division, and this division is incredibly flawed. Uh I, I think the NFC North is slowly becoming one of the worst divisions in football in front of our very eyes. And come the beginning of the season, I thought this was like the best division, and now it looks really bad. Uh, maybe the division's the best at not getting COVID. I think we've been pretty good at keeping our COVID rates down. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the Jaguars. I think the the Bears play the Lions this week, so who knows what's going to happen with that game. Um, 
we are in the driver's seat for the uh, for the division, though, just because uh, for tiebreaker purposes, because of that divisional record. I think that's really good. And we've got the Packers out of the way. That's great. That's really helpful. Um, do you think with Trubisky playing for the Bears, uh, if they were to play the Vikings with Trubisky, do you think that would give them more problems? Thankfully, the Bears coaching is poor. It's But then again, Gary Kubiak thinks Nintendo 64 is a hot new game system. So, I mean, the offense, I, I think Kirk can overcome Kubiak better than Trubisky can overcome Nagy and Laser. So, I, yeah. I, I feel kind of good about that game. The one, the Monday night game was terrible, flat out terrible. A 19 to 13 win over a team like that. I'll take it. It was ugly, but it really was not a good game for both sides. So I'm hoping the Vikings playing at home against them this time. There's no fans, but you're still home. You're, you're at place. I'm hoping that we see a better performance against the bears this time around. Yeah. And if you're, uh, your girlfriend could uh, wish some more spells on the opposing teams. That would be <laughs> awesome. Um, but uh, is there anything else, JP, you would like to add before I sign off? Uh, as a Vikings fans, we have to kind of prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. That's our motto every year. Just watch the kids for the rest of the season. Try not to worry too much about a wild card or, or, or you know winning out or whatever. Watch the kids because there's some really good kids out there. When Cleveland comes back, I know we don't watch the offensive line play, but he's got a lot of talent. Jefferson obviously has got talent. If BC Johnson is finally out of the doghouse, he can really emerge as a good number three receiver for this team. Keep an eye on him. And our cornerbacks watch them just to see if they get any better. Uh, They can tackle but their coverage is just not good right now. And I'm praying, Harry, if you're out there listening, let the kids do their own thing. You do yours. We want to see the old Harry. We don't want to see the babysitter. We want to see the heavy hitter. Well said, JV. Well said. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Ed, good luck to the Vikings the rest of the way. Skull. Skull. All right, so moving uh, forward, we have uh, just a couple things I want to note before I sign off. We have uh, just want everybody to know we have a YouTube. We've had it for a few weeks now, but you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review of Preview Sports and get a bunch of good content. We clip parts of the show after the fact so that we could send it to on to the YouTube page and you could watch our best footage from there. And then starting next week, the North Pole will be moving to Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time starting, uh, yeah, December 9th, next Wednesday night. Another thing to look out for is that the Army-Navy game is coming up in about 11 days, and I will be uh, hosting a pregame show for that. Uh, uh, Look at Review of Preview Sports for updates on that. I'll hope to get some some good guests for that game. I'm rooting for army in that one. And yeah, so this week we got the lions versus the bears. Uh, we have the Packers versus the Eagles and we have the Vikings versus the Jaguars. Uh, a great slate of NFC North football should be good for Gabe Flayton at review of preview sports. 
Signing off. Have a great night, everybody.